I'm Don Ennis. I'm Carly Webb. And you're in the Transporter Room. Carly, can you believe this is our 19th episode? We've been doing this 19 weeks now. Really? Yeah, isn't this that is cool? 19. This has been awesome, though, and it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this. I enjoy doing these podcasts as part of the Outsports flotilla of podcasts. <laughs> I've been also checking out some of the other podcasts. We've, we have a great lineup of, of very informative and entertaining shows for all of you. So, hey, of course, listen to the Transporter Room, but also listen to the whole line of Outsports podcasts. There's a lot of great stuff out there. Do you know the two of our podcasts this week, both um, Five Rings to Rule Them All and the Sports Kiki, focused on sex? And one of our podcast producers, I'm not going to identify who, sent me a, me a note saying, are we supposed to be doing more about sex now? <laughs> so so in, in, in place of sex, let's talk about gender. Let's talk about transgender. You wrote a story for uh, Tuesday about Megan Youngren, who made history at the U.S. Olympic trials. Tell us all about it. Well, Megan Youngren is a 28-year-old trail runner from uh, from Soldetna, Alaska. Now, that's a long way to go to take a shot at the Olympic Games, but but this is I mean, this is a part she became the first transgender athlete to compete for a spot for an Olympic spot in the marathon. She's only the second trans athlete ever to compete in the US Olympic trials in the gender in which the athlete identifies joining Chris Mosier, who took the attempt at the 50 kilometer race walk a month ago. And, and Megan, I mean, Megan in a Megan has come a long way in a short while. I mean, she began running seven years ago, just to, just to fight back from an illness, you know, get in shape through her transition. And actually her first race was one of the toughest on the marathon calendar, the Equinox marathon, which is, which is a part trail run part road race, but it's the full 26.2 miles. It's ran in Fairbanks, Alaska. In 2017, she stepped in and did her first marathon, the Equinox Marathon in Fairbanks, Alaska. Now that is a very different special kind of marathon because it is part road, but it's also part trail. Now trail running is something where is it is a type of running where younger and really excels living in the Kenai Peninsula. Now, the first race that she did, she did a 448, came back the next year, finished in the top 10 and was almost an hour faster and then looked and decided, you know what, I'm going to give up the, I'm going to like put the trails on hold for a while to take a shot at the Olympic trials in 2020. So throughout the 2019 running and racing season, she was in a number of marathons, really chopped a lot off her time in order to get the goal time of two hours, 45 minutes. That's the qualifying standard to get into the U S team trials marathon race. That was in Atlanta on Saturday. She, she was able to run the time, got there, towed the starting line, got to the race, made a little history, but here's the kicker. She wasn't approved to run until five days before Whoa. the event in Atlanta. That's unusual, I mean, isn't it? It, it is unusual because normally the, the matters of paperwork, therapeutic use exemptions, all those things. The the regulations are very clear. She's been she's been continually tested and kept up on the regulations since she really started this quest more than three years ago. And she told SI, 
I've done everything by the book and I can show it. And that is the one thing that people have to understand, especially about transgender athletes at any level, but especially at the elite level. Every I is dieted, every T is crossed because we understand the ramifications if it's not. Can I ask you a question? Sure. When we talked to JC Cooper, who's a powerlifter who's transgender, she talked about how the therapeutic usage uh, exemptions, the TUEs, were often used to try and disqualify transgender athletes. Does that happen in uh, marathon running and Olympic trials? That can happen anywhere because a lot of the rules, that can happen in any sport and in any event because still so many, I mean, more, not so much because of the exemption itself, but because of the lack of knowledge of all the rules. I mean, the the people who, who directly deal with it day in and day out, and I'm talking the people within this governing bodies, especially the people within both the USA and world anti-doping agencies, they deal with these rules every day. They can quote them to you. But you're at, but a lot of race organizers don't know the rules. A lot of event organizers at a lot of levels may or may not know the rules or understand the full scope of the rules. And that's, again, a lot of times disqualifications happen because of miscommunications and because of a lack of knowledge of the rules by the people organizing the event. Well, I'm sorry I distracted you. Why don't you tell the listeners how Megan did? Well, Megan, Megan ran a, re a very respectable time, 250, two hours, 50 minutes and change, finished, finished 230th in the, in the female classification. But the finish and the time was unimportant. The important thing is, she came, she saw, she rocked the house, she towed the starting line. And that's the biggest thing. The fact that she was there was a big deal because as she, as she told the Anchorage Daily News, it's going to help open the door for the next one that comes after her. And, you know, no slam against Chris Mosier, who was the first transgender athlete to compete in the gender which he identifies as a trans man against men. He, um, unfortunately, was uh, suffered an injury and wasn't able to complete. So, you know... Just being there is 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 history enough, uh, and I know Chris will be back once he recovers. But to see Megan cross that finish line, for her to do what she did, that takes a lot of courage, a lot of practice, a lot of preparation, and you know we're all so proud of her. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, that's what that's what inspired me to get up and get out and run was seeing seeing her do what she did, and you know, and that's the thing, people. All people want to do is compete. At the end of the day, that's all people want to do is just get out there and compete. It doesn't matter whether, whether you finish first or first or 20th. You want to compete. And one thing, Don, I want to point out. People have to understand, especially all these clickbaiter websites, which are, which are having a go at her after this, the way they always do. All these, all these misogynists who truly believe that trans women aren't women and cisgender women suck at sports. I mean... Transphobia and misogyny go hand in hand. It is dang hard to make a U.S. Olympic team. Damn right. It and is. not only that, but you've run marathons. And you've also run marathons both uh, in, in each, each, each uh, gender that you've identified as. So tell us the difference. How is um, uh, marathon running different for you as an athlete compared to how it used to be? Well, recovery times are longer. The, the pain is a lot more. Pre-preparation has to be even more stringent. It's harder. There's there's no choice about it. HRT HRT has changed the entire. It changes the whole paradigm. And right now, I'm right now I'm running with a body that's basically going through puberty part deux, and yeah. <laughs> it's and it's 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 awkward. 
I feel, well, your body I, has changed. Yeah, yeah. You've got uh, different fat distribution, muscle yeah. uh, recovery time. Your your center of mass, everything is changing. Exactly, and I've got a deal, and I'm trying to figure this out. And and it's one thing intellectually, you know what's going on, but physically and emotionally, you're like, what the hell is going on? And that's what you're dealing with. And for someone who's gone through what I've gone to see these athletes like Megan Youngren, like like a Chris Mosier, like Cece Telfer, to see the like Chelsea Wolf, who 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 is another who has an opportunity, who still has her opportunity, BMX, right? To make it, yes, BMX bike racer, who has an opportunity to still make the Olympic team. When I see what these elite athletes are doing, when I'm seeing what a Jillian Breeden is doing as an elite pro cyclist. I mean, you, you have to tip your cap to them because they are, they've gone through this ride and compete at a, at, and not just compete, but compete at a high level. And you have to, I mean, I look at that and I look at that and that gives me inspiration to keep pushing. Well, I'll tell you, the thing that really irritates me is had she not placed 232nd or wherever it was, um, if she placed second or third, you know, there'd be people who say, well, you know, because of her, some cisgender athlete or some real woman would have done better. And it's not about where you place. It's really about your personal time. And non-athletes don't really understand this. People who are just weighing in because they hate trans people don't get that the personal time, how well you did, how fast you ran, that's what really matters. Not that you came in fifth or 200 or whatever it is. Well, in this case, the play, the placing matters because, hey, to only, and again, that just testament to how difficult it is to make a U.S. Olympic team. You get one shot at it. You get that trial day, and you and you have to be top three. I mean, but to me, the whole idea that, oh, you took a place away from somebody is silly. Does that mean that Melly Seidel, who, who ran her first marathon at the Olympic trials, her first marathon of her life, and ended up finishing second, she steals, a, I mean, she stole a place away from a former Boston Marathon winner? Yeah. No, she earned the place. I mean, what an inspiring story hers is, too. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Molly Sedell, that's awesome to come back from all the things she's come back from, not just the injuries, dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, fighting her way back to this chance, to this chance, qualified with her half marathon time. That's what she got. She qualified at a qualifying half marathon, yeah. ran her first marathon for life. And, and at that moment, came and performed and now she is on her way to tokyo but that doesn't rip off anybody else who came behind her just because no nobody nobody she, uses that argument right because she's not. cisgender yeah yeah of so, course not. so tell me about laurel hubbard laurel hubbard made some news this week and it's you know it's it's again in that same file that we have on <clears throat> trans athletes don't always win well laurel hubbard is new zealand she's from new zealand weight weightlifter Three years ago at IWF Worlds, she she got a silver. She she earned two silver medals in 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 the disciplines. There, did a great job. But there is a there's a there's an asterisk to that because four of the top contending teams were not allowed to compete because of because of drug testing issues, and that directly affected her weight class. So instead of maybe finishing eighth or seventh, she was able to get on the podium, and she's been. She's been identified as somebody who could be, who has a, who has a good chance of being in Tokyo, and who has a good chance of even possibly an outside shot of medal. Well, two years ago at the Commonwealth Games, she tore a bicep on a right. lift attempt. On a lift attempt, 
She's been battling just this nagging in these nagging injuries since then, trying to get herself back in back into fighting trim. And recently at a at a test at an Olympic qualifying event, she failed to complete a lift. So right now it looks like the injuries are still are going to be the problem that may keep her oh keep her out of a bid for Tokyo. But once again, the boo bird, you know, the the boo birds and the naysayers and the clickbaiters are going to be out in force. There are still <laughs> at least a couple other out. There's there's at least one there's one 50-50 chance Chelsea Wolf from BMX. There's an outside chance. There's an outside chance Tiffany Abreu, the the Brazilian volleyballer. There is talk that she may get a berth berth on team on team Brazil and may get an opportunity based on her play in the pro leagues this season. Season we're going to keep our eye on that. But right now Hubbard was seen to be a very good chance. It looks like that chance is going. That chance may not happen in 2020. But I do think that this might be the first Olympics, if the coronavirus doesn't cancel them, where we have some transgender athlete. It's our best chance in 15 years. I, um, I, I well, first let's just hope we have an Olympics because right now that could that's starting to become more of a possibility of not happening. Well, whatever's best for the world. I mean, honestly, I'd rather there be uh, people alive than have an Olympics event. It's just a scary thing right now. I'm preparing for my son to study abroad uh, later this month in Spain, where there is a coronavirus outbreak, but it's not as bad as in Italy or Korea or in China. But I'm still worried. And, you know, I mean, I was at an event just yesterday where, you know, people are rubbing elbows instead of instead of shaking hands. And when I was at the Capitol, uh, I've got to be honest, it's it's public spaces that are really scary these days. Tell me about it. I mean, but but also, I mean, I would hope that people just use your common sense. Don't fall into the 1970s disaster movie movie <laughs> mindset. I wash mean, your hands. Yeah, you just wash it. We're not at the level of the Omega Man. I mean, we're <laughs> that's not, a great movie. We're Charles and Heston. Yeah, we're not. I mean, we're we're not there. I mean, we had the Dustin Hoffman outbreak with Samuel uh, L. Jackson, right? I mean, this is movie. not the Andromeda strain, people. Let's, oh, the Andromeda let's, strain. Let's another back, great yeah, movie. Let's, yeah, let's. Hey, we hey, we bring a little sci-fi into this show. Mm-hmm. We brought it in earlier and expected. Mm-hmm. Now, what's not fiction is that here in Connecticut, where you and I live, there is a movement by cisgender athletes and their families and their supporters to. Uh, try to block transgender athletes like Terry Miller and Andrea Yearwood, two high school seniors, from being able to compete. They've got a federal investigation with the Department of Education started last year. We've got a federal lawsuit that started last month. They are doing everything they can. They can stop these girls from uh, supposedly beating him every single time. Even though, oh, gee, look at that. We wrote about this. Chelsea Mitchell beat Terry Miller twice since the lawsuit was filed and Selena soul, who is the like poster child for this movement. She also won as part of her Glastonbury uh, uh, track team. So it isn't so true that they can't ever beat a transgender athlete. As we've been talking about transgender athletes don't always win, but you told me there is actually something going on with politics involving uh, these young women who uh, say they can't win. Tell me all about that. Well, on March 25th, the Connecticut Republican Party has decided they're going to have an event called the She Leads Connecticut event, which is it's really a fundraiser. They they're decide and along the way, they're going to give 
They're going to give Chelsea Mitchell, Selena Soul, and Alana Smith a, they're going to give them an award. They're going to give them courage awards as part of this fundraiser for their courage in sticking up against those evil transgender kids. And these are the plaintiffs I, in the lawsuit and in the federal yes. investigation. Right? I mean, this is just a continuation of the Republican assault on transgender people nationwide. By the way, uh, as we were taping this, the Arizona, the House of Representatives in Arizona voted to pass HB 2706, which basically, oh. which basically says, says if you want to play sports in Arizona and be trans, we have the right to check your pants. Oh. They're talking about chromosome and genital ex- inspections. I mean, I I find that to be invasive and vulgar. And and anybody who's listening who who believes that this is a good idea, no, that's very true. Read the bill. All I'm going to say right. is read the bill because right. it's right there in black and white. So but it's not just so, Arizona. It's happening across the country. Yeah. Arizona, Idaho, Te- Idaho, Tennessee, Georgia. And I mean, one good thing in, in the Northeast and up here in the Northeast, New Hampshire had a similar type bill that tried to curtail transgender student athletes that died in committee. I mean, there, but you have a lot of this action and it's being, and in part, it's being underwritten by, by you know the usual suspects, the agency, alliance, the, defending, alliance freedom. defending freedom, yeah. focus on the family, family research counts. You know the usual, the usual K Street character assassins. But the Republican Party's gotten all in on this, and the Connecticut Republican Party is is jumping right on the wave. So on March twenty fifth, in Hartford, they plan to have the this award ceremony, and they also plan to raise to raise some money. They're all they, I mean, they're already selling tickets for this even before they have a space for it. So now also there's, isn't there also funding coming from across the pond? Oh, I, oh yes. Well, that funding stream pays both ways. I mean, there's, there's all the, I mean, there's all the turf groups in the UK, you know, like, like, um, like speak up for women, all those different groups that actually, I mean, it's, it's a fair play for women. Yeah, yeah. Fair play for women, all those groups that actually are getting money from groups like the heritage foundation. So I mean it's a it's a it's a cyclical trade across the Atlantic. Keep the you know keep the money flowing and keep the transphobia going. And that's but I really think in this state I believe that I believe that there's a lot of good people in this state that won't buy that that won't buy into the hype and won't buy into the transphobia. I mean Connecticut is a state which in many ways led the way in these protections. And have for the last decade. They've led the, I mean, this state's led the way. So I don't see people giving up a strong leadership position for human rights just to give the Republicans some campaign, campaign cash. At least I hope not. I'm now in my car because I'm on my way to the Capitol for a meeting about a, a transgender health issue. I'd like to ask you a question. Is there a flip side of this? Is there a possibility that Andrea Yearwood and Terry Miller might actually benefit from something the GOP is doing to benefit her their opponents? I I think I I would like to think that that a lot of that a lot of good people really look at this and say, wait a minute. They're going after kids here and they're trying to use they're trying to use discrimination against kids to raise campaign cash. I would I mean, I would hope that that 
the decent-minded people, especially parents in this state, would look at this and look at it for what it is. And in fact, I'd like to ask, I'd like to ask parents who think this is okay, if your child was targeted the way that Terry and Andrea have been, misgendered consistently in the ADF's complaint, mis- I mean, drag- basically dragged across the circus maximus of public opinion at a press conference, and now being made object lessons to raise some campaign cash, how would you respond? Well, don't forget, there are parents out there who actually prefer a dead kid to a trans kid or a gay kid, and that breaks my heart. But I will yes. also say that I will also say this, that there is a racial component. I know Alana Smith is a, a mixed race um, a, a teenager, but these are two um, people of color. They're two women of color. They're trans women of color. They're young girls. They're, they're, they're being targeted, not just because of their skill or their gender identity. It's because of their, the color of their skin. I mean, there, there, there's, there's a lot of truth to that, Dawn. And believe me, I match their, I match the, I match the demographic of those two girls. And I'll, and yes, I will fully admit to my bias on this issue. When I look at Terry and Andrea, I see, I see a mirror. I see me. And I feel I've been, when, when people come for them, I feel like they came for me and I will fully admit to my bias. And I will fully, I'll admit to that as, as, as much as the day is long, I will admit to that. That hurts me when people go after them. And yes, there is one. But I also believe that I believe there's a there is a lot of good people in this state that will really look at this for what it is and say, that's target. This is targeting kids and it's wrong. And I think I think good people will stand up and say, we don't agree and we'll stand against this and we'll protect every Connecticut child. One can only hope. Um, what we need to do is at some point before uh, the, uh, the season, the indoor season starts, when, when does the indoor season start? Or rather the outdoor season. The outdoor Sorry. season is going to be starting. Yeah. yeah, the outdoor season will be starting over the next few weeks. Well, what I'd like to do is if we can find a way to talk to either Andrea or Terry or both, maybe with their folks, I would love to get them to weigh in. So that's going to be something we're going to work on for our listeners. Yes. I mean, I would, I would, Hey, I would love to have, I'd love to sit down and have that conversation, but also I'd like to, I'd like to put it out to, I'd like to put it out to every parent who listens to this podcast. If you're a parent, think about what it would have been like if that was your kid. The, and I, and I'll even put that out to J.R. Romano and Stu and Sue Hatfield of the, of the state Republican party, the chair and vice pair chair. If that was your child, how do you think you'd respond? If someone came after your child in that manner, with this type of, with the level of venom and the level of vitriol that you are coming with, how would you respond? I mean, I don't think, I don't care how you feel about this issue. They're going after kids. And it's One thing maybe we should do also is maybe we should try and invite the state GOP to come on the podcast and make a defense for why they're doing what they're doing. I'm okay with that. Would you be okay with that? I would. I'd be okay with that. I mean, believe me, I, I, I'll have to do a little. I'll have to do some meditation before then. <laughs> I, I don't will. Think I will. Agree. <laughs> I would have to. I'd have to, like you know, wusa, wusa. I'd have to do a little. Med- I would probably need a little chocolate before then, Don. You know, oh, I'd, I'd need a little chocolate say, therapy. Yeah, I'd, I'd need a little <laughs> chocolate therapy first. But, but no, but those are fair questions to ask, and I think that that's. Yeah. Some things people, 
people need to ask. I, I think I think the press as a whole needs to ask these questions. You know, something that Chris Moser says often, if you're not if you're talking about an article and you're not talking to trans trans youth, you're not writing an article, you're writing a PR statement. And the ADF has gotten a lot, and, and the transphobes who claim they're being so silenced, they seem to get a lot of PR statements out of the press lately. Very true. Tell me what you've been doing sci-fi-wise. What's your thing? What's your, what's your, what's your mojo? <laughs> sci-fi-wise, sci I still haven't watched Picard yet. I'm just you know, they're halfway through the season. We're on episode seven next week. I've got to get, week, I've got to get week, one. Thursday, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah, I'm oh, trying seven. to catch. I'm trying to catch. I am trying to catch up and get in the and get in the groove. I mean, it's been There's a only bit. three episodes left. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I will get right. on the groove before this thing's over. I'll be. I'll have to do a binge, but but no, it's right. right now. I've just been. I mean, it's just been a lot of. I mean, it's just been a lot of work, a lot of writing. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I've been writing some sci-fi right now. I know. Oh, that's I've, cool. I want to see that. Hey, some interesting news. Star Trek Discovery. Mm -hmm has been renewed for season five and they haven't yet aired season three yet. They're going to shoot season four and five back to back. So there's going to be three more. Oh, good. Oh, good. Now that's good. Cause I really like what the, I really like discovery. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that one thing I do like is the fact that Picard is finding it's all, it seems to be finding its stride and finding its audience. I, I think I now it's really getting its stride because you're not hearing so much of the, it's too slow. We don't like it. People are getting into it, and more and more people are just get are getting into the groove. I mean, well, hopefully, listeners, next week Carly will have something to say about actually watching at least one episode of Star Trek Picard. Um, <laughs> I know you've Don. We've lost it. We've lost Don again. But I am going to get on the groove with 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 Star Trek Picard. I, I'm, I'm Oh, we did. Oh, we so, got you back. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, the the phone's been going up, blowing up today. So I am really into uh, Man in the High Castle. I've been binging. I'm up to season four now. I'm starting season four. And it's just been mind-blowing. Imagine if there were alternate universes in which our lives were different than the ones we lead now. How would that be? And what would it be like to be able to visit that world? It's so mind-boggling. I love it. I'm I'm really enjoying well, the show. Well, I really well, I'm glad you do. I'm glad you are enjoying it because I really, really liked Man of the High Castle. I really enjoyed because that's something that could have been done. It it could have been completely done poorly. I mean, that's one of those things where it's a very ambitious project to do because it's a very ambitious novel to try and put as a dramatization for the screen for the screen and they did it well and they yeah, made it they made it look good it was well acted it was it was well acted that. there was a lot of good historical nuance involved i mean if no, philip no spoilers, k dick no could i'm not going to give any any spoilers but i will say that i think philip k dick would have been pleased at the at at this at this work i think he would have well, nodded his head affirm I, th I think he would have nodded his head affirm affirmatively at what uh, at this dramatization of this of of one of my favorite sci-fi novels. I love Philip K. Dick. Uh, I could just say I love Dick, but that's beside the point. How about uh, we say goodbye and we uh, go back uh, out into the uh, galaxy and we um, see we re we return to this planet next weekend. How about or next Wednesday? Sorry. We'll do. <laughs> I mean, we're, I forgot. we're on Wednesdays now, folks. If you're catching us uh, on a day other than Wednesday, you'll find a new episode of The Transporter Room every Wednesday 
And you'll find us on Facebook at The Transporter Room and at The Transporter Room, RM, on Twitter. So we look forward to having you uh, follow us and uh, converse with us and tell us what you think. Yes, I'm looking forward too. So number one, let's see what's out there. <laughs> or as Kirk said, ah, second start of the right. That away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I love you, Carly. Great talking to you. Great talking to you. Mr. Spillu. There she goes. See you next week.